0: And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth. The Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate. And it's the Ag View pitch. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Ag View pitch. And today we're joined with special guest Jake Swanson. How's it going today, Jake? Good.
1: Good. Good to be with you, Shay.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. So I was wondering here to start off with if you can maybe just give us a little background on what it is you do and how you got there, and uh, we'll jump into some key topics that I think will provide some value today.
1: That sounds great, Shane. Well, uh, like you said, I'm Jake Swanson. I work in the office of Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. I service her agriculture policy advisor and also uh, advise on other policy areas like energy and natural resources. Um, I grew up on a um, family farm just uh, east of Atumwa. My family uh, farmed there for uh, over 170 years, so I'd be the seventh generation uh, involved in that operation. where row crop, corn and soybeans, and then we've got a beef cattle herd as well. Um, so definitely still get back to the farm when I can during harvest and, and planting season and, and, and uh, as much as I can on nights and, and uh, weekends too. So very much uh, still involved, love it, grew up around it. Um, very passionate about it, so it's it's just really been a great uh, honor and privilege to work in the office of the governor, where I can uh, continue to advise on some of these policy areas and and uh, drive some of that change uh, in the Iowa agriculture industry. A lot of things going on in Iowa agriculture, um, always exciting, lots of uh, fun issues to work on, and uh, part of the reason why I just I love this job is because every day is a little bit different. There's always a lot of issues that we're working on. Uh, ultimately trying to make it uh, better for everybody.
0: That's awesome, and there certainly is
1: a lot going on there in the industry. So how how did you get to the
0: role that you are today, and how long have you been working in that role?
1: Yeah, well, I uh, started in the governor's office last September, so I've just been here a few months and have really... uh, um, been baptized by fire. I tell you, we've, uh, we've had a, a steady run of all sorts of things going on in the governor's office. I previously worked at the uh, Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, so just across the street from the state capitol building here in Des Moines, uh, working in the office of um, uh, former Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Bill Northey and then uh, uh, was uh, involved in that transition to now current uh, Secretary of Agriculture Mike Negg and uh, served as um, a policy advisor there as well and uh, as uh, the secretary's legislative liaison. So representing the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship to the Iowa legislature, letting them know, uh, working with legislators really on a a daily basis um, on a variety of agriculture topics, um, keeping them informed of uh, what the Secretary of Agriculture is up to, what the Iowa Department of Agriculture does, and how we provide uh, value to Iowans. Um, but uh, yeah, before that, graduated from Iowa State's uh, College of Agriculture and Land or Agriculture and Life Sciences. Uh, fourth generation of my family to do that, and then uh, finished up a master's degree um, afterwards in public health. And uh, my thesis focused on um, highly pathogenic avian influenza, which at the time Iowa was uh, going through an outbreak of, of avian influenza, one of the worst agriculture disease outbreaks um, in U.S. history. So. Tried to keep it a, a relevant thesis topic, and uh, afterwards started in the office of the Secretary of Ag, and I've uh, just been rolling ever since. Well, that's great. I think we're definitely talking with the right person here
0: for some perspective. So, you know, you and I were talking offline about two or three topics that might be pretty relevant to some of the producers listening out there. I was wondering, you know, can we just jump into a couple of those and see where that takes us?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, one of, the, uh, one of the first topics, I think, that's very top of mind is uh, what's going on with foreign animal disease and what we're seeing worldwide with um, African swine fever as it's really decimated the pig population in China um, and just making sure that that never makes its way over here to the United States, especially not to the state of Iowa. Iowa's the number one producer of pork in the entire country. We're very proud of that, um, and it, it would be devastating if a disease like African swine fever or foot and mouth disease would ever make its way here to the state. So um, I know the Iowa department of agriculture and land stewardship has, um, has been working hard for the past several years um, on foreign animal disease preparedness. They learned a lot of lessons from the uh, avian influenza outbreak that hit around 2015 and um, have been, have been really moving forward ever since they've hired uh, uh, recently just a, a new veterinarian who's cast with coordinating agriculture and ag security um, efforts for the department. He's done a fantastic job. Um, And it's very important to uh, to Governor Reynolds as well. We've, um, in the governor's budget this year, uh, increased funding for foreign animal disease preparedness, um, essentially doubled uh, what that funding stream looks like. So the department can make sure that uh, they've got the resources that they need to properly detect and uh, respond to a disease outbreak, uh, should it ever make its way to the state of Iowa. Very, very top of mind issue uh, for our producers. We're uh, we're a big agriculture state here in Iowa, um, and uh, certainly keeping a, a close eye on that one. Well, and I know right now on the
0: worldwide stage, it's knocking on Germany's door, and there's huge concern there. Looking at the EU overall at the pork production that comes off Germany. So can you, can you speak a little bit more to specifically, you know, what, what does that look like if, uh, you know, we unfortunately were to have that. And I think some people also have the question of, is it a question of if we get it more so as, as when we get it, you know, so
1: if that were to happen, what does that look like in a state of Iowa? Yeah, definitely. You know, looking closely at how African swine fever has made its way across Eastern Europe, Germany, I believe, is uh, the EU's largest pork producer, and so that would certainly be uh, devastating to some of those farm economies across the uh, across the Atlantic. There, you now, if this were ever to make it over to the uh, to the United States or even to the state of Iowa, um, it would be devastating for our economies, for our producers. Um, We would essentially uh, have markets, international markets, shut off to the state of Iowa essentially overnight. Um, Countries take this very seriously, and they should. We do not want to see these diseases uh, cross borders, uh, cross the ocean. And unfortunately, diseases like these don't respect those international borders. So um, it would be – it truly would be devastating uh, to the Iowa economy especially since uh, a large part of our economy is based on agriculture. Um, I tell you, we just I cannot stress enough how important it is for producers uh, here in the state to really be laser focused on biosecurity protocols on their farms. Everybody has a role to play uh, in preventing these diseases from making their way to the state. Absolutely. And hopefully, you know, some of the policy
0: decisions being made there on the foreign animal disease it goes along with that, uh, you know, are definitely moving in the right direction and it sounds like they are. Um, so let's talk a little bit, uh, change course here. How about, how about renewable fuels? What's going on on that end?
1: Oh boy. I tell you the, um, the EPA has certainly been one to watch. We've been continually disappointed by um, the EPA's use of small refinery exemptions. So, Uh, exempting some of the larger uh, oil refineries from blending homegrown renewable fuels. Um, You know, recently, you know, within the last week, we saw the um, 10th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals strike down the EPA's uh, use of small refinery exemptions and saying that they have uh, more or less abused uh, that power to be granting those. So we were very excited in the state of Iowa to, to see that court decision, something that we knew all along. We continue to keep pressure on the EPA and, and uh, uh, to make sure that they're blending, um, to make sure that they're allowing for the blending of renewable fuels at that statutory limit. Uh, 15 billion gallons means 15 billion gallons. And so um, we're keeping a lot of pressure on EPA there, making sure that uh, uh, we are standing up for a robust renewable fuel standard because it's good. For our economies here, especially in Iowa, where we're the number one producer of corn and soybeans, two of the major components of uh, uh, biodiesel and ethanol, Um, cannot stress enough um, how important it is that we stand up for a robust RFS, and that's something that I work on all the time. Now, here in the state of Iowa, a couple of exciting things that we've been working on. Last December, the governor signed an executive order uh, requiring any Uh, diesel engine vehicle purchased by the state of Iowa uh, must come with a note from the manufacturer that says this vehicle can use B20 biodiesel. And we're making sure that uh, we're taking full advantage of that in our state fleet, which uh, keep in mind would be all of the uh, DOT snow plows that we're seeing, uh, especially this time of year, and and all of the vehicles uh, purchased by the state of Iowa. So something really exciting. Recently, actually, just yesterday, we saw the Dickinson County uh, Board of Supervisors unanimously approve a county resolution that that says essentially the same thing: any diesel engine vehicles purchased by Dickinson County uh, have to be able to use B20 biodiesel. So, uh, really excited to to start seeing that across the way. I think across the state, Dickinson County has certainly uh, been a leader there, Um, and it sounds like we've got a couple of other counties in Iowa that uh, that are working on similar resolutions
0: uh, so
1: very exciting we've uh, you know another program that we've got in the state of Iowa our renewable fuels infrastructure program um, allows cost share dollars uh, to be used for um, retailers installing things like uh, blender pumps and other renewable fuel infrastructure uh, the governor and her budget this year put an additional two million dollars um, in the renewable fuels infrastructure program so looking at a total of $5 million um, annually for that. And that, uh, you know, will just continue to increase access to our homegrown renewable fuels. We're very proud to be the number one state for uh, biodiesel and ethanol production. Happy to support those industries um, and happy to support our producers that uh, uh, help grow those renewable fuels. So a lot of exciting things, you know, at the state level for uh, Our renewable fuels industry, we're continuing to watch what the EPA is doing and holding them accountable so that they will stop granting these uh, completely ridiculous small refinery exemptions um, and uh, just continue to, to support that industry.
0: Yeah, and I've been watching those initiatives pretty closely. I think those are definitely wins for the state, and hopefully we can continue to get a good push there. So I think one of the questions that comes to mind with a lot of producers out there. Uh, whether in Iowa or in their states in general, is how do we actually affect, you know, ag policy? How do we tell our story? What can we do to better represent and, you know, help the farming community? So, you know, what, what does that look like in, in particular with the renewable fuels? But even on into other ag policy issues, I mean, is the Farm Bureau a great way to get involved with that? What, what else is out there that can truly help help drive some of these ag policy decisions?
1: Yeah, no, that is a great question, Shay. Uh, I think there's a couple of things that folks can do. One, uh, never shy away from telling your story and from stand and for standing up for your way of life. You know, I, it drives me nuts, and we see a lot of activists that uh, continually keep hitting on the agriculture industry. I think a lot of folks just simply don't understand what what we do as farmers and, and ranchers and producers across the state. Um, Continue to tell that story. Never shy away from, uh, from media interviews, from, um, you know, explaining to your neighbor why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and don't, don't shy away. Don't be afraid. You're doing the right thing. Farmers know what they, they're doing. My family's been doing it for 170 years. I think by that point we, we kind of know what we're doing and what we're talking about. Uh, cannot stress that enough. But don't be afraid to reach out to your legislators, too. Um, everybody in the state of Iowa has got a representative, state representative and a state senator. And and we've got, uh, um, great senators and and Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst and, and, uh, and our congressional delegation as well. Um, and, and our U S representatives, don't be afraid to invite the folks to your farm, show them what you're doing, explain why you're doing what you're doing and how it benefits the economy here in the state of Iowa. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of times, you know, I see state legislators here in Des Moines that, uh, they don't have an agriculture background. They didn't grow up raising cattle like my family did. They don't, they don't know the value of of uh, uh, growing corn and soybeans and, and how much we contribute to the state of Iowa through, through every step in that value chain. I cannot stress enough how important it is to uh, to tell your story to legislators and anybody else that'll listen um, and stand up for what you're doing. You've got nothing to be afraid of. That's what I continually tell producers. Um, you're doing the right thing. You know what you're doing, uh, and don't hesitate to to share that with others. I think that's a great point. And sometimes we forget that we actually
0: can make a difference on that front. Um, so to wrap up, some on the Renewable Fuels Act. Uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what you know, what are we seeing in the short term uh, and moving forward with this? Are are we at a stall right now, or where does this go?
1: Well, I'm internally optimistic. I think uh, we're starting to make some traction with the uh, that recent court decision that I mentioned just a little bit ago. Um, I'm optimistic that uh, with some of these, um, you know, trade deals that we've recently seen signed. Actually, today the president is signing the uh, U.S. MCA trade agreement between Canada and, and Mexico, and and uh, are quickly going to be that ratified. Uh, So I'm optimistic that we'll see um, uh, markets respond positively to that. Um, Boy, I tell you, it's it's been a challenging year, certainly 2019, not one that we uh, maybe want to remember, but very optimistic looking to 2020 with uh, some of these trade agreements we've seen um, with some of the traction we're making in the renewable fuels industry. Um you know, just have to continue to hold the e p a accountable there to make sure that they're um, upholding the the renewable fuel standard um hey i'm optimistic i think we've i think we've got a lot of opportunity uh, in the iowa agriculture industry in our renewable fuels industry as well um and hopefully we'll uh we'll continue to see some movement there
0: no, I think that's a good thing in agriculture in general we are the eternal optimists. so I appreciate- that's right. I appreciate the feedback on that. So, you know, we had talked also offline here at some of the other things that are going on that the governor is investing in in Iowa. Can you speak to some of that that's going on on your end? Yeah,
1: well, something that I'm really excited about is the Governors Invest in Iowa Act. This is something that uh, Governor Reynolds talked about in her Condition of the State uh, Address earlier this month. Um, We're looking at uh, raising the... Uh, sales tax by a penny, and coupled with that we're seeing uh, we will uh, reduce property and income taxes as well so I want to make sure that that's clear this would be a, a, a tax reduction package overall but uh, one thing that I'm spending a lot of a lot of my time on here in the governor's office is uh, working on that legislation we're looking at um, committing about a hundred million dollars to our state's water quality efforts um, about Uh, $50 or so of that, um, or in in addition to that would go toward uh, conservation and um, outdoor recreation. This ultimately funds the uh, Outdoor Recreation uh, Trust Fund that Iowa Voters uh, created 10 years ago um, and and, uh, finally funds that. We've got a lot of exciting things here. We're looking at a net increase in funding for water quality of about $31 million. Um, dispersed through, through the uh, Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, DNR, and the uh, uh, Iowa Finance Authority. We're looking at a net increase in funding of, for conservation and outdoor recreation of about $22.5 million. Um, again, through IDAL's DNR, and the Department of Transportation. Um, and a lot of exciting policy changes are going to go into this as well. Back in 2018, um, the Iowa Legislature Passed the uh, passed Senate File five twelve and Governor Reynolds uh, signed that into law as her first bill that she signed as a, as a new governor um, that that really committed long term funding for water quality and this Invest in Iowa Act um, my piece that I'm working on really continues and ramps up that funding for water quality uh, which is something that we are really excited about. Um, but it also does a lot of other great things, like um, extending REAP, the uh, Resource Enhancement Protection uh, Program, through to 2050. It, it codifies the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy as the state's guide for improving water quality. Um, and it makes sure that we're uh, – this legislation makes sure that we're spending those dollars in a way that further those goals in the Nutrient Reduction Strategy that uh, – Um, prioritize and enhance our public use areas like our state parks and trails um, and just a lot of other really exciting things so uh, this is something that I've been working a lot on just really since I started in the governor's office Um, I think there's a lot of interest from legislators to um, to have this conversation and hopefully we'll see this uh, as one of the governor's signature policy pieces um, across the finish line here in the 2020 Iowa legislative session Um, for anybody listening certainly encourage you to to get involved share your thoughts with us on what you'd like to see in that legislation Um, and don't don't hesitate to reach out to your legislators too to let them know how important it is that uh, we're supporting our our farm and rural economies and um, how important it is to uh, to dedicate long-term funding for things like water quality and outdoor recreation you know and and there's a there's a heavy tax component to this as well so and we, we estimate that that uh, one percent one percent sales tax increase will generate about five hundred and forty million dollars for the state of Iowa. Um, and we'll see a uh, coupled with that, uh, we will then be able to reduce our property taxes and reduce our income taxes. Uh, so all islands should see a, a pretty significant, at least a 10 percent cut in the taxes that they pay to the state um, and, and especially for uh, uh, lower income islands. Uh, could see up to a 25% reduction in the amount of taxes that they pay. So I'm hoping to see a lot of support for this. I think it's a really exciting and pretty bold initiative that Governor Reynolds laid out in her condition of the state um, and something I'm very excited and very happy to be working on.
0: That's great. And I'm glad you brought up uh, some of the water conservation things going on there. Obviously uh, some of the recent rulings on the waters of the United States is top on some people's minds. And I think, you know, the Midwest, States are really doing a phenomenal job at trying to get on the forefront of this. We don't want to be, uh, you know, as regulated or absolutely as closely uh, scrutinized as out east when maybe there isn't some education following that. So I think it's phenomenal that the state is taking the initiative on our own and doing a, an effective job on water quality issues um, yeah. and looking at more moving forward there
1: as well. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, it's, it's not government's role to, to solve all of our problems. I want to make sure to emphasize that everybody has a role to play in water quality, whether you've got a quarter acre um, lot in town or a quarter section out in, in a rural area. um, Everybody has a role to play here. Keep in mind it's uh, uh, there's so many things that you can do. There's a lot of, um, funding available for anybody looking to add conservation practices to their their lot in town or or their farm, Um, really encourage everybody to take a look at what they can be doing, uh, both in urban and rural areas, to um, help improve our water quality, something that's important to all islands. Great. So a couple
0: of other topics that I want to hit on here real quick that we had talked about. Um, you know, hemp and noxious weeds. I know those are two things that are top in a lot of producers' minds. <laughs> sure, there's there's a lot of static out there. What's going on on the policy side? How does that affect
1: us as we look
0: at some of those issues moving
1: forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll touch on noxious weeds just briefly first. That's uh, uh, something that we continue to see some weed resistance. So, just in- encourage uh, producers to be diligent about their uh, con- control strategies there. I know that's something the uh, Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship has taken a hard look at. They're the, the regulatory agency for uh, keeping our noxious weeds in check. On the hemp side, that's another uh, another policy area that I've spent a significant amount of time on. Um, kind of a new um, and more or less exciting program that uh, we're looking at. The 2018 Farm Bill um, allows for uh, to allows for the first time in, you know, Gosh, 75 years for uh, hemp to be grown uh, legally as a essentially as a commodity, treating it just like we would any other commodity. So, um, the uh, Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship spent a lot of uh, a lot of time working on this policy area, especially last legislative session. Um, the Iowa Legislature voted favorably to approve the Iowa Hemp Act, which gives the Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship the regulatory authority over hemp production grown in the state of Iowa. So a lot of different policy pieces there. Um, the 2018 Farm Bill then uh, said any state can, can develop a state plan for how they will regulate hemp in their state, uh, but that plan must be submitted to USDA for their final approval on that. Uh, so I know the Iowa Department of Ag has submitted that state plan to USDA and is still uh, awaiting, uh, feedback and comments and ultimate approval from USDA. So it's not yet legal in the state of Iowa to grow, uh, hemp, but, um, I, I think it, it will be somewhat soon, uh, for the 2020 growing season. So, um, definitely take a look at that. Would also add that, um, you know, I don't know that hemp by any means is going to be a silver bullet for anybody, but, um it could be, you know, another opportunity for producers uh if that's something they're interested in. I would just encourage anybody taking a look at that to uh make sure that you've got a seller or a, a buyer lined up before you start to grow it. Uh make sure that there is a market available and um do your homework, do your research, make sure that that you know what you're doing, you've got the equipment necessary, the labor to uh, to put towards planting and harvesting. And, again, reach out to uh, the, the good folks at the Iowa Department of Ag if you've got any questions along the way as far as what that regulatory programs will look like. But, you know, again, something that, uh, that's new and, and definitely exciting for a lot of folks in the state. Great. I appreciate
0: you touching on that. You know, I, I, I'm really enjoying the conversation here. I appreciate all the positive feedback. Um, you know, anything else you want to hit on kind of before we wrap up here? I know you're... You got a lot of different things going on there uh, that directly affect farmers and producers. So, anything else that's on your mind that we haven't touched on yet?
1: Well, Shay, I think we touched on the, a lot of the big points. It's just—it's been a real treat for me to, to be on with you here. Um, I'm going to be headed up uh, to visit with some legislators later today about uh, the governor's Invest in Iowa Act. So, I've got a full day here ahead of me. But, um, you know, I just really want to thank all your listeners for what for what they do to make uh, our agriculture industry truly the best um, here in, in the United States and North America. It's a really exciting time to be in agriculture. I'm just, just tickled to death to be here in the governor's office doing what I'm doing and um, just really appreciate the opportunity. So thanks again, Shay for having me. Absolutely.
0: And if there is uh, you know, someone that wants to reach out and follow up or get involved, you know, more in their ag policy, what, what are, what are some good points of contact there? I know you mentioned a few times calling your legislators and things like that. Where's the best resource for them to look into that?
1: Yeah. Well, there's a variety of different resources there. Uh, definitely reach out to your legislators, invite them to your farm, show them what you're doing. Um, re- touch base with them while they're voting on a lot of different legislation that could impact your livelihood. Um, feel free to stop by the Capitol here and, and uh, uh, meet with our team in the governor's office. I'm always happy to visit with folks about what they're doing in the ag industry and, and how we can help from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, a lot of great folks in, in, uh, state government here between the Department of Natural Resources, the Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship and, and Secretary Mike Nag's office. Um, definitely be in touch. A lot of other great state agencies, a lot of exciting things going on, um, you know, continue to reach out to, to anybody if, uh, if you need help or assistance with something. We are here to serve. Um, public service is very important. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you've got questions or, or if uh, we can help you with something.
0: Jake, it's been my pleasure as well. I appreciate the time and hopefully be talking with you here soon. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Shay. Always appreciate the opportunity.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you next time on the Egg View Pitch. thanks for joining us on today's episode of the egg view pitch as always you can reach out to us at cbarren at eggviewsolutions.com or duane l at netins.net. we'll catch you next time on the egg view pitch